Well, hello everyone and welcome to the Ironbound Podcast. I'm Kat Fink and today we have a special treat. We have an interview with Mamie Young. Um, This was an interview that was done by my mother, Donna Fink, back in 2008. Um, And at the time, Mamie was uh, 91 years old, so she lived to 94. Uh, She died in 2011. Um, And so this was an interview that my mother was doing in the hopes of kind of collecting some of the history of the women of Ironbound and and rural Nova Scotia in general, since so often women's histories kind of get passed by. Um, This it's certainly not a new story, but, you know, in talking about Ironbound, our tendency even myself is to focus on um, the fishing and the the labor that is considered men's work and so a lot of the time women can be sort of written out of history and so these are definitely things that I um, also want to make sure that we give credit to so uh, Mamie was a resident of Ironbound. She was born in 1917 in Birchie Head. So she's from mainland Nova Scotia and she uh, married into Ironbound. Um, and at the time of this interview, she's, you know, she, as I said, she's 91 years old, but she's clearly still sharp as a tack. All of the dates are intact. Uh, she knows everything that's going on. So um, it's really wonderful that we have access to this interview. Um, This is going to be a three-part production as there's some length to the interview. So um, it's going to come out over the next few weeks. My own memories of Mamie are, are fairly few. Um, I used to go visit her whenever I was staying with my grandmother, with Nan. And um, I, of course, would have a child's memory of this person, which is to say, I think the thing I remember most about her is her candy dish. I have to admit that kind of guiltily, but um, my family, you know, my parents were, they weren't hippies, but definitely like the food was kept pretty, pretty healthy and pretty clean. And so there were no candy dishes sitting around the house when I was growing up. So it was very exciting um, that I did have my grandparents' generation were definitely folks who had the like the crystal bowl with um, hard candies in it. And that was something I remember about a few of the the people that we would visit when I was a kid, and that includes Mamie. So um, I I remember a dress that she made for me, and I remember that she was very kind. And and I think that these are the the big things that stand out, and I wish that I had more personal memory. And one of the things that's so wonderful about having these interviews and having the ability to record a little bit from people while they're still here is being able to um, keep a hold of some of the essence of that person besides just their candy dish and just the the dress that they made so um, yeah a big big thank you to my mom for having done that interview at the time and I know that um, for her it probably seemed like you know a little project that 
um, sparked up and then sort of died out. And even if this was the one interview that came of that process, I am really grateful that she did it. And I'm also really grateful that she's shared it with all of us and that I'm able to make it hopefully a part of a greater canon of work. Um, So before we get rolling and to that point, I'd like to mention that um, I do have a Patreon page. So if you're interested in supporting the podcast, it's a place where you can go to just make a very small monthly donation, um, like $3 or $5. And that's something that helps me keep the lights on and keep the the podcast going. I'd really like for this to be a, uh, a long-term project. It's very interesting for me, and I feel like there's so much fascinating history that's really worth preserving um and so yeah the the address for that is www.patreon.com forward slash catfink and that's a place where you can support both the podcast and then i'm also doing uh woodworking videos and a few other projects like that so feel free to go there and check it out so without further ado let's uh lean into um focus on Mamie um I mean she describes her own life very well and um there's a lot of things that are so interesting for the the world that we live in right now um trying to put ourselves in in the shoes of of this woman who um, grew up on the mainland of Nova Scotia and had an association with Ironbound. She had a a brother who was living there um, while she grew up because, as she will explain, um, she had the loss of her mother that led to the children in her family getting uh, sort of distributed around to various relatives and whatnot. Um, So she grew up with her grandparents. And um, her mother died of the uh, influenza in 1918. And obviously, this is something that we probably have a little bit closer to the forefront of our minds at this point, because it was so often um, compared to what we've been going through with the COVID-19 pandemic. The Spanish flu was something that was considered to be very comparable. Um, But we're looking at about 2,000 Nova Scotians that died from from the Spanish flu. And for context, at this point, we're looking at about, it's just over 700 Nova Scotians that have died uh, from COVID-19. So the Spanish flu was, was really no joke, um, which actually Nova Scotia, it seems, made out better than, than many other places. There were public health incentives um, that were put in place to uh, do separation and and shut down a lot of the public spaces where people would have been um, sharing infections. So this isn't these weren't things that were implemented everywhere, and they did actually um, have a beneficial outcome for for many Nova Scotians. And unfortunately, Mamie's mother was not one of those people. Um, so I'll leave that to her to, uh, to explain, but, um, yeah, I think that it's, it's an, a very interesting thing about diving into 
the Ironbound experience for me and, and I imagine for anyone who's listening to put yourself in the shoes of the people who were living this life. Mamie grew up on the mainland and had access easily to water. <laughs> she had access easily to uh, the postal service. <laughs> she had access to these things that were y- you take for granted um, when they're there. And then when they're not, you're like, oh, you know, it's very nice to be able to turn on a tap. And uh, even for myself, um, I, I've lived very like off grid at various times in my life. I've lived in a tiny home that had no running water, um, you know, no flushing toilets, things like this. And, uh, so I know what that feels like even post having grown up, um, with the ironbound reality, but it's amazing how quickly you forget. So we had our hot water tank, um, go out just before Christmas. And, you know, it's like, fine, we, we can warm water up for the things that we need to warm it up for. We still had running water. We still have clean water, but even that one thing suddenly, which is compared to most people in the world, this incredible luxury, right? Having hot water that comes out of your tap. When you have that all the time and you take it away, all of a sudden you're quite surprised at how inconvenient uh, life gets, especially, you know, for me having a baby at home, like wanting to be able to wash nappies and we're doing cloth diapers. So like washing nappies and washing the baby and all of these things, having to warm up water to make the baby's bath. And it's, um, yeah, it's amazing to be reminded of how how much we can take for granted these these little simple things so um they do they they do bring up electricity and Mamie's point was that she actually didn't have electricity most of the time that she was growing up it had only come to her grandparents house you know sometime before she uh, moved out and moved to ironbound and so it wasn't as much of a loss but Um, that the postal service was something that she missed very, very much. Um, Being somebody who kept a lot of pen pals. And again, in this world that we live in, where we have instant access through the internet, through our cell phones, to uh, communicate with people anywhere in the world instantly, um, you take that away it's, it's something that, uh, I'm 39 now. And so I grew up without the internet. So I, I have the memory in myself of not having that instant connection to everybody everywhere. You, if you take a step back from this thing that you have available to you at all times, I know even moving back to Nova Scotia and, um, being in places where cell reception is just non-existent. It's like, I can't just call people. <laughs> and it's um, it's amazing how we get accustomed to these luxuries. So something that I'd like to implement for these podcasts is a little um, 
phrase of the day, word of the day, <laughs> little segment here, because I know that um, between myself, even things that I say, things that people will say in the interviews that I'm conducting, and um, terms that come up are going to be pretty alien to some people. Some things might be um, understandable for other local Nova Scotians or other Canadians, but I think that um, there are definitely some things that are going to be worth explaining a little bit. So for today, the, um, the term that I think I'm going to go with is the store. Now, in the particular context of Ironbound Island, the store is not a place where you would go to purchase something. Um, when anybody from Ironbound says that they went down to the store, what they mean is the fish store. And so this is a place where, um, where the fish were brought after they had been caught. So this is where the fish were cleaned and preserved. And it's also, um, these are very large buildings right on the waterfront in I'm using air quotes here, downtown Ironbound, so right on the waterfront. Um, and they're the big buildings that you see all along the coast of Nova Scotia um, that have sort of the back end up on the land, and then the front end of it is on crib work and, and stilts that are built out over the water. And this is so that they're very easily accessible by the boats as the boats are, are hauled up next to them and you can offload the fish directly into the building. Um, you can do the work on the fish, cleaning them, gutting and cleaning. And uh, in many cases, you have a hole in the floor through which you can throw all of the um, leftover parts of the fish, and then those just get swept out to sea as the tide shifts. So, um, and so in my family fish store, there was a large downstairs, which was where all of the fish were getting cleaned. And then on the next floor, there was um, an enclosed room that was where the men would uh, work on nets and do woodworking projects. And there was a, a wood stove up there. So that room could be kind of closed in and made cozier um, for doing work during the winter months. There was um, large amounts of space that were dedicated for storing nets, for storing lobster traps, um, for storing all of the, the various equipment needed for maintaining and operating this, this type of lifestyle. So the store is literally a place where things are stored and not a place where you could pick up uh, a cup of flour that had to happen on the mainland so there was nothing easily purchasable on the island it was uh, far more complicated than that so without further ado i'm going to turn it over to to mamie and as i mentioned the person who's conducting this interview is actually my mother so if you're wondering why my voice sounds so different it's because it's not my voice one final note that's worth mentioning is that at the time of this recording, Mamie was living in a nursing home, and so there is some amount of background noise from other residents. So if you are wondering if your cat is getting into something or that you're hearing voices, it's probably on the audio from the podcast. 
So let's turn it over to Mimi. When were you born? June 1st, 1917. And where were you born? As far as I know, Virtue Head. I don't remember. <laughs> Your like mom her. had you at home then? I imagine so. Because yeah. see, my mother died when I was only a year and nine months old. Okay. So I don't remember her at all. Yeah. And then my grandparents brought me up, so that's where I lived with them. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you lived with your grandmother and your grandfather. Mm -hmm. Who were your mother's? Uh, no, my father's. Your father's My father's parents, Boogers, yeah. Okay, and their names were? Uh, Amos and Deborah Boogler. Yeah. I've seen pictures of her. Yeah. She like looked they, like a nice lady. Yeah, she was. They were so kind, yeah. And Birchie Head is where That's you right. lived. That's right, yeah. yeah. Um, <coughs> so, can you remember any games when you were a child or a young Scotch. <laughs> you know, you play that and then the blocks on the road and throw rocks and, and go and, and jump. Hopscotch. How'd you make the blocks? Because you couldn't use chalk on pavement, could no, you? No, sticks. Like, you know, sticks? Mm -hmm. Oh, you get sticks and put them down on the you road. throw a, rock, a little rock. Yeah, you yeah. make blocks with the sticks and then throw a little rock to go in there and see what you could get. <laughs> when I was uh, growing up, we played hopscotch too, but we had a piece of chalk. Oh, yes. And we had sidewalks. Oh, oh so yeah. All together different. All together <laughs> different. You had to hunt around for all the sticks. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And we used to skip skip the rope, you know, place rope. Have that and you'd see if you could cross the rope in your arms. <laughs> Would the boys and the girls play together? Not too much, except in recess at school, we'd all play together because. We used to play like drop the handkerchief and stuff like that, you know, at school. I don't know what drop the handkerchief was. Well, they had a, a handkerchief roll that was a white cloth, you know, and they went around and, and I forget myself how it was, but they'd go around and... Oh, and when they everybody were, be in a circle. Yeah, you were in a circle. And then somebody got to be it and they'd walk around yeah. behind. And, and then, then they, they got in the middle if you were, if you right. were, if you won or whatever. Right. Yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. drop the handkerchief. Drop the handkerchief. And skip and rope. Skip and rope. That, those were the main ones, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. we didn't have any. Well, I know my brothers had parcheesi, you know, a game parcheesi. Oh, yes, I know that yeah. game. Yeah. And you shake the, the dice. Yeah. Throw them out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's the only game I ever remember. Oh, and then later years, I think they had croconol that you had to flip that thing, you know. Yeah. Yeah, like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Can I pause here just one sec, Donna? <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> <clears throat> Where did you go to elementary school? Uh, it was called Milko then, but now today it's called Birchie. Well, it really was Birchie Head, but the school was called Milko. Okay. Because it, it took in the larger from Birchie Head up right. to Fox Point. Right. Fox Point Beach, yeah. So did you go to elementary school and through high school at yeah, the same grade, school? Yeah, grade 11. Yeah. One teacher, and there was an average of the, uh, 48 going every day. One teacher, imagine. I don't know how she ever did it. I really don't. But she'd get the older ones, like myself. There was four or five of us, and we'd re have hear the little ones or the readers, you know. Yes, yes. I don't know how but she ever did it. in one room. In one room. But we'd be in till 4 o'clock in the afternoon. So what time would you start your day? 9 o'clock. 9 o'clock. Yeah, you morning. had to be there for 9. Yeah. Okay. But I lived just around the corner. I had it easy. <laughs> but yes. a, lot of the, a lot of the kids, they had to walk way up to the end of uh, 
Upper Foxbourne Beach almost, yeah. yeah. Would uh, you go home for lunch? I had to because we're just around the corner. Right, yes, yes. <laughs> but I used to set the clock ahead so I could get there to, to play. <laughs> <laughs> oh, tell me about this. Did you really? Oh, yes, I did, yeah. And my grandfather used to say, I don't know what's wrong with this clock because it's gaining so much. Little did he know that I was sneaking in the head. <laughs> I could get over the play, you see. A after your late lunch. Oh, I'd, I'd eat my lunch in such a hurry. And then the school had a, pla a cement platform, and we used to dance on that platform. And Grandfather used to wonder why the toes of my shoes got so thin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one day he walked over past to see what was going on because I got over so early. And he saw we were all lined up dancing on the, oh, yeah. on the cement. What kind of dancing would you do? What they called square dancing in those days. Yes. Yeah, you... I forget how it went anymore, but you passed over and all that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But did you have somebody who was handling the fiddle, or did you just no, sing no, a song? No, 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 just, <laughs> just do it. Yes. Yeah. Isn't that something? Yeah, yeah. Well, with that many children, there was a crowd, Oh, yes, huh? I guess there was, yeah. I think there was 60 on the roll call, but there was an average of 48 every day. Yeah, from, from the lodge, right up to, to Fox Point Beach, yeah. Wow. Don't know how the teacher ever did it. No, I can't imagine. In grades primary to grade 11. <laughs> So when you got into high school, were there still quite a few yeah, boys? Quite a, yeah, or? quite a few. There was, a, I don't know, just, a, but like I said, the one, the one time there was 60 on the register, but an average, average of 48. But tell me how they ever did it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't either, no. And you had a brother home. Or did, did, was there anybody else at your grandmother and grandfather's house with you? No, no, not there, but up on the hill from our house. My uncle, they took Winton, that was a brother. See, we were, when our mother died, we yeah. were all scattered around. Right. And Ralph, the youngest one of all, he was only five months old. And he was, he went with Aunt, Aunt, May's, uh, Aunt Mabel's sister on Iron Band. Right. But I knew I had a brother there, but I didn't really get to know him until I got married and lived there. You know, I'd see him once a year and I knew he was my brother, but and he was only five months old when our mother died. She died with the flu in 1918. She was one of the victims yeah. of the 1918 yeah, 18 flu. flu. Yeah. Mm. Isn't yeah. that something? They, uh, left all these children, and but my grandmother took me right away yes. my, on my father's side. Yes. Aunt Mabel and Uncle Arnold took Winton, and uh, not all relatives except, uh, uh, well, in a manner, the one that took uh, Brother Goldburn. He, uh, he was a relative, like a distant relative on our mother's side. She was also a young. Uh -huh. yeah. She was Ellie Young. So your dad was not living. Yeah, he, he, he was still he, living. At he that was time. still living, but he got married again. Then, oh, I don't know how many years later. Long. Remember, I think I was seven years old when he got married again, and he married a girl from oh, by Orissa from Lunenburg, and they moved down to. Uh, Moser River, and he also had my older brother Goldburn move down with him, and they went fishing down there. And he, when he came up to take Goldburn with him, Goldburn, when our father died, our mother died, right? Goldburn was up with the family at the end of Mill Cove, and then my grandparents brought him down with us. And uh, oh, he didn't want to go to Moser River. He went in the woods when my father mm. came for him, and uh, when he, I see they. My father had gone with, in the boat up as far as up to the station in Hubbardson, and when my my brother 
he went in the woods. He didn't want to go. And uh, when he thought that, that uh, the boat was gone, he came out and he said, uh, they're gone, are they? And grandfather said, yes, but he said he wanted you to go with him. And he said, well, do you think you could get me to Hubbard Jet to catch him? Grandfather got in his boat and he dooka dooka dooka. No speedboat. Right. And up to the station he got in. That was the last I ever saw my brother because he got drowned when the when the whole family were drowned. Yeah. He was 17 years old. Yeah. yeah. They drowned at Mosier River? Uh, coming up uh, December the 5th, 1926. They were coming up to spend Christmas with us. And my father and his second wife and a little girl, a year and a half years old, Kathleen, and my oldest brother, Goldburn. And they were, and the, the Lemmy Jennings owned the boat. And they were coming up to spend Christmas. But this was the 5th of December, 1926. And uh, they got as far as, well, it was on a Sunday afternoon, and it was just so beautiful. But one of those quiet days that you, you didn't know what was, my grandparents used to call them breeder days. And my grandmother was out, looked over at 9 o'clock that night, and she, when she came back in the house, she said, I pity the, the people that are on the water tonight. She said, it's a blinding snowstorm. Little did she know her own family was on the water. We didn't know it because they weren't coming until the next week. But it was so fine that Sunday afternoon, my father said to my older brother, he said, I think we'll go. And his wife said, well, I'm going too. He said, no, you wait until tomorrow and come up with the boat to, to Sheet Harbor. She said, no, Maynard, where you go, I'm going. So she got the little girl and, and when my grand, after they were drowned, see, the last was heard of them was nine o'clock going past Owl's Head that night. And the, the boat that took passengers up to Sheet, from Sheet Harbor to Halifax, he said, the captain told grand, my grandmother, he said, I could have easily ran that boat down. I'd have never known it. It was a blinding snowstorm. And they were only in a 26-foot boat. Yeah. And not one body was ever found, but parts of the boat came ashore. Yeah. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah, terrible. Was the, yeah. Yeah. So near Christmas time, grand, my grandmother would never have a Christmas tree after that. Yeah. No, she yeah. just couldn't. Yeah. Yeah. The whole like, family of them. Geez. There was my father and his second wife yes. and little girl, Kathleen. She was a year and a half. And my oldest brother, Goldburn, mm -hmm. and the man who owned the boat, Lemmy Jennings. Yeah. The whole the whole, the whole bunch, and not one body, but parts of the boat came ashore. But it was a, it was really a storm. Like I say, my grandmother said, "I pity the poor souls that's on the water tonight." But she didn't know that her own family was there. And then something. <clears throat> um, let's go to happier times. <laughs> Where did you meet Malcolm? Oh, I knew Malcolm because he was a relative of uh, Uncle Arnold's wife. Aunt Mabel, she was from Ironbound, yes. and they were back and forth all the time. So I knew him from, oh, I don't know, maybe when he was 10, 11 years old, they used to come back and forth, his parents. and That and would have been Anna, Mabel's wife. Uh, parents Aunt, were uh, uh, from Josh, Ironbound. Josh and Annabeth, right? No, no, no? they were at real, uh, what was Aunt Mabel? Uh, Uriah. Oh, Uriah. Uriah Young. Okay, yeah. Uriah. Yeah, and her mother's name was... Margaret? No, not no. Margaret. Mary, I think. Mary. Yeah, I'm okay. not too sure of that. Okay, I, I believe you're yeah. right, Mary. But, yeah. but uh, Uriah was her father's name. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, so Aunt Mabel. Mary Jane was her, her mother's name. That was it. Mary Jane. Mary Jane, yeah. They okay. Mary Jane, yeah. Okay. And Mabel's husband uh, was uh, my bro father's brother. And his name was? 
my father was Maynard and uh, and Uncle Lionel. I I know. Lionel. 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 Yeah, L-I-O-N-E-L. Gotcha. Okay, Lionel. Lionel. Yeah. Okay. And you know, Uncle Lionel's name was Lionel Alvin, but I never knew if my father ever had a second name. I didn't, I had never heard of him. Maybe he didn't have one. Yes. I had never heard of a second name. Huh. No. But Lionel, his, I always knew Uncle Lionel's. His was Alvin. Alvin. And, yeah. And he's the one that brought Winton up, my one brother. Oh, okay. Yes, yes. The yeah. one brother. Yeah. There. Yeah. yeah so, of course, then everybody traveled back and forth. Then you had got to meet him. Oh, yes. Yeah. But not not often, you know, weather-wise and everything. When they'd come by boat sometimes in the summer down to Aunt Mabel and Uncle Lionel, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you ever get out to Ironbound? Oh, yeah, I used to go out with Aunt Mabel and Uncle Lionel because uh, Uncle Lionel had a bigger boat and he used to go sometimes just overnight, you know. Yes. And Aunt Mabel would sometimes take me with them. Yeah. And where would you stay when you went? Well, then I stayed to Aunt May's. Of yeah. course. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Aunt May, always, I always stayed there, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, when did you get married? September the 12th, 1934. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um... And where did you get married? In Lunenburg, in the manse, the Presbyterian manse in Lunenburg, Reverend Sinclair. Yeah. Reverend Sinclair. Yeah. I don't know what his first name was, but it was Reverend no, Sinclair, no. I remember that. And was in the Presbyterian manse. Yeah. And was it just, uh, who was there? Just my grandparents and Malcolm's mother. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it was <laughs> one of those things. Right, right, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Great. Yeah. Um, did you go on a honeymoon? No, no. I went home with my grandparents, and he went home with his parents because we didn't have any place to stay. That so was my next question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no. I lived home, and he lived home for three years until we had a place to stay. Well, then, well, he had wanted to build a house up where the, the pasture is above Polly's house, you know. That? Yes. And of course, Harvey said that was his pasture land. He didn't want so we didn't have any place to stay until Malcolm's grandfather died. Well, then his uh, wife moved to Lunenburg in a house they owned up there, and uh, then we cleared that out. We owned half of it, and uh, or Malcolm's dad did, and Percy owned the other half. So we lived in half, and when Beatrice and Charlie got married, they lived in the other half. Right. Mm-hmm. And we right. spent, there was a, like a dining room in between us. And Beatrice would be in her doorway, and I'd be in mine. We'd spend lots of time talking. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 you had no well. Was there a well on the well, property? Uh, there was no, but you called. There was a what did they call it in the in the basement? A cistern. A cistern, yeah. And then there was a screening that part that it uh, cleaned it out one from one side to the other. You know, yeah. yeah. And we had a big cloth over that. You know? Okay. But. You had to be careful using the water until the, or then later we had a well dug, you know. But uh, you only had to depend on the rain first, you know. Sure. Yeah. sure. But, but later on we had a well dug, yeah. So if you had a dry spell, what did you do then? You had to be very careful. Well, you could carry water from the wells up. Harvey's had a well up there, and uh, right. Willis had a well, you know. They right. all had wells up, up in the upper part, yeah. Uh-huh. But you had to be very careful. Yes. And then, of course, when it rained, we'd put tubs out by and have it come down <coughs> over the chute, you know, mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. washing clothes and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but water's a big problem. It was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, then we had a well dug later, you know. 
So for three years, you were a married woman. And I lived home, and Malcolm lived home. With his okay, family. yeah. <laughs> How often would you see one another? In the winter, not very often, because, it, you know, it was hard getting back and forth. You only could go by boat then. There wasn't very many cars around, you know. So, your first child was born on Ironbound, or no, in the Grace Maternity. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, all my children were born there. Okay. Yeah. They okay. were all born there. Yeah. yeah. But I was down with my grandmother. And oh. I went okay. in from there. Yeah. 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 So, um, so then you and um, when you finally did move in out there. Yeah, we when Mr. Uriah died, died, and that when was, Malcolm's father got half of the house. That was the big old house there. I know yeah, what you're talking the, about. Yeah. Where we had we had remodeled because we lived there, you yeah. know. And yeah. Beatrice lived in one part, and we lived in the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, yeah. Um, so, by the time that you moved to Ironbound and moved into the house, <clears throat> you had a baby. Oh, I had Mary. Yeah, I had yeah, Mary. Mary. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, because. It was, I guess, three years until we, till Mr. Uri died, and we had a place to live, you know. Yeah, and he died in thirty-four. 30, was thirty-three or thirty-four? I was going to say yeah. right in the middle of the. Yeah, fe in yes. February, I know it was. He died. Yeah. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And then you remodeled. Or then Malcolm remodeled. Or yeah. You guys yeah. remodeled. Yeah. We didn't remodel right away, but as we <coughs> could afford it, we did. Right. You know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, that's and then when, when Beatrice and Charlie got married, and they had a house built up there. Well, then Malcolm bought Percy's part out, you know, so we had the whole house in, and then we remodeled after that. I think it was, I don't know if that was 19, Maynard was born in 1955. I don't know if we had remodeled before he he was born or not, I sort of forget that. Mm -hmm. I'd have to look well, that up somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> that was around that time. But the barn across the street was your barn. Yeah, that's right. So yeah. when uh, you moved out to Ironbound, mm -hmm. were you keeping animals? Well, my grandparents gave us a cow and a calf, and I learned to milk then, <laughs> which I never milked before, and I was scared to death, I'm telling you. And she gave us a pair of kickers, they called it, they put around the, the cow's legs, it wouldn't kick, and that poor old thing wouldn't have kicked, she wouldn't have lifted a leg for anything, she was so, so quiet and everything, but I had to put those kickers on, I was too afraid. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. What was a kicker? They were iron, and uh, you had a hook on on each leg, one, one, and then you'd put it around that way, and that she could. Oh, and then she couldn't lift. She one couldn't foot. lift the leg. Yeah. yeah. And when you think of it, yeah, I should have been more afraid of putting that around that she might have kicked right then. But yes. she was so quiet. Yeah. She wouldn't yeah. have no. Yeah. yeah. So you were milking a couple times a day then. Morning, when and, she morning was, and night, yeah. yeah. When she I, only, I only learned to milk when I got out to Ironbound. And Mr. Willis Fink, when he'd spend the winters in Halifax, when he'd come out in the spring, he'd always cut the cow's tail for me because it would grow long in the in the winter, you know? Yes. And he'd always, when, when they'd, he and Ellen would come out, you'd see him come down and I'd be over milking, get his jackknife out of his pocket, and he was cutting the cow's tail <laughs> where it grew so long and during the winter. <laughs> and that would switch around you. <laughs> <laughs> so at that time they were they were living in Halifax. Yeah, they went in with Marion. They used to go in and Marion and Archie. They used yeah. to spend the winters in there. Yeah. Gee. Yes, that was later on. That was later on. Yeah. Vestry Street, yeah. yeah. So when you moved to Ironbound, uh, now had your grandmother and grandfather did they have electricity when when you were we living there? We had just a little bit before that. Okay. Just, and just then you moved out to Ironbound and 
didn't have it. Back to no electricity. No, that's exactly right. So you were pretty used to not having oh, yeah, the power. Yeah. yeah. I minded the water more than anything because I, I didn't like the water. Yeah. And I used to think, how did I ever get here? <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And 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 you were saying about the mail. Oh, and I missed that so much because I was one for my mail, the papers, and I used to have. One time I had seventy pen pals. Yeah, I used to like to write letters. When did you begin to do pen pals? I think I was only about nine or ten years old, and my first pen pal was a girl in Sambro, Marjorie Garrison, and she's still living today, and we're great friends. Is that so? Yeah, yeah. And how did you get going on pen pals? Well, in the paper, there used to be like the Sunshine Club, and you, they'd have, you'd write in letters to this club, you know, and I saw her letter and one time, and we got right into each other. And, we're good friends today. Yeah. Yeah. She's in Sandboro. Yeah, she lives in Sandboro. Now her husband just died last year. Yeah. Yeah, but we've been they used to come up to Ironbound for a weekend when when uh, they were, he was off work, you know, like that, yeah. And we'd go down there sometimes on the weekend. Yeah. And at one time you had seventy pen pals. I had seventy pen pals one. Two cents a letter. <laughs> there you go. Stamps or two cents. Yes. Imagine that. Yes. Look what it is today. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot more. How, how did you get the mail then? It came with the ferry, didn't it? No, no, there was no, no ferry, no. You'd ha you only got your mail when you went to Blanford for it. And first, oh, there was no ferry then? No, no, no. Oh, okay. I forget what year the ferry came, but uh, they used to get, get the mail at Blanford. But they would go up to Young's, you Urban Young's, yes. and, and the Urbans would bring the Ironbound mail up there, mm -hmm. and keep that was for the Youngs. But the the things got the, most of their mail on Tancook, at first. Yeah, they used to get theirs on Tancook. Mm -hmm. But the things and the Youngs wouldn't get their mail in the same place. No, I don't know why. Maybe I guess the things had more relatives on Tancook. I think. Okay. At that time, you know. So how often would it would depend upon when people were going? I guess. Well. That's right. But usually on the weekend you'd get it, maybe Sunday if it was fine. They'd go to New Harbor and walk up and often went up with sleighs and brought the ma mail bag back on the sleighs, you know. Yeah. Then when they get down to the store, what a time sorting the mail out. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah, but every everybody, you know, when Finks went or Young's went, they brought everybody's mail. Uh -huh. They didn't only bring their own. Oh, gotcha. They brought every, it was all mail bags, you know. And then they get down to the store and sort it. <laughs> Yeah, when I came. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, it was good like that. Well, it was just like one big family, you know. Yes. Yeah. Yes. When one got sick or anything, you just felt for everybody. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That was good. It was like one big family. I think that's a a nice place to wrap it up for today. So um, if you're enjoying this interview, if you're enjoying the podcast, join again next week and we'll continue with the interview with Mamie Young. And um, if you have any questions or comments and you'd like to send them along, please write to ironboundpodcast at gmail.com or head on over to the Patreon page. That's www.patreon.com forward slash catfink. Um, I'd love to hear from folks and, and get some of your own memories and uh, maybe that can be a little section on the podcast if people have some interesting uh, quick, quick stories that they'd like to contribute. So I look forward to hearing from you all and I hope that you have a wonderful day and I'll talk to you all next time.